0: Hi, I'm Ben, your host for the next hour, and you're listening to a Virgin Startup podcast produced with the support of our friends at Virgin Money. The podcasts are recordings of our free meetups, which take place every month. Check out virginstartup.org forward slash events to sign up to the next one. On this week's episode, I was joined by none other than Montana Brown of Love Island fame, award winning social media producer Pilar Nalwimba, and Nice Drinks co founder Lucy Wright. This all-star panel give their own insights into how to build your brand and social media, and crucially, how to turn followers into customers. Enjoy the episode and see you on the other side.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's Virgin Startup Meetup event. And my name is Andy, and I'm the Managing Director and one of the founding members at Virgin Startup. And for anyone who's joining us for the first time tonight, Virgin Startup is a not-for-profit organization supported by the Virgin Group. And we exist to help founders in the UK start and scale early stage businesses. And we do that in a number of ways. So we provide business advice and access to startup loan funding to people that are looking to get business ideas up and off the ground. We also provide one of the UK's largest entrepreneurial mentoring programs, um, thanks to 500 volunteer mentors around the country. We run masterclasses, um, accelerator programs, and events like this tonight. So thank you so much for joining. We've got an amazing lineup of, of speakers for you tonight, um, which we'll introduce you to shortly. But the, the events that we put on really are for, for you guys. So the more that you put into it, the more that you'll get out of it. Um, please do introduce yourself. Um, so if you haven't done so already, if you head over to the chat, um, please do say hello, where you're joining from. Tell us what your business idea is or what you're working on. Um, And if you've got any questions throughout the evening as well, you can pop those in the Q&A tab. So there's an option to upvote questions. And what we'll do throughout the evening is start to feed some of those into our panelists tonight. So please do get involved um, and hope you enjoy it. Before I introduce our host for the night, Ben, I just want to say a big thank you to our friends at Virgin Money for their support. So thanks to Virgin Money support, we're able to provide events like this tonight free of charge. And Virgin Money really believe in kind of disrupting the status quo and making people happy about money. And thanks to their kind of leading business banking proposition and kind of range of services, they're able to support businesses, whether you're starting or scaling. So a massive thank you to to our friends at Virgin Money. Now, without further ado, I'll introduce Ben, um, our very snazzy horse with a very new dicky ball. Hi, Ben.
0: Hi, good evening, Andy. Good to see you. Hello, everybody. 200 people in the house. I'm going to celebrate with a, a can of, uh, Virgin Startup sponsored Dashwater. Mmm. Uh, there's a a, a product placement. Now, Andy, are you going to play us a, a tune on the guitar there? Or is it just for effect? Is it just impress the ladies in your life, your wife and if daughter? You,
1: if you stick around to the end of the event, I might do an outro. An outro. Okay, <laughs> cool. Now, Everyone will be dropping off early now. <laughs> there's people,
0: it's good to see. We've got Amy from the West Midlands representing the black country. We've got, uh, Blenna, who's from Malawi, is joining us from Malawi. Uh, People joining from all over the world. We've got Desiree from TNT, Trinidad and Tobago. We're talking about fine wine tonight. So liming wine. I love love a bit of lime action in Tobago. Um, And we've got, oh, yeah, good crowd from all over the place. So, yes, use the chat, as Andy said, to, like, let us know where you are, but also, like, where you're at, what you're working on. I can see people sharing LinkedIn. What we'd love to see is, like, also little web pages of projects or social uh, accounts so we can all support mm. each other tonight. Now, tonight, Andy, we're talking about how to get results from social media. We have three queens of the social media age joining us shortly. But before we invite the ladies on stage, I wanted to ask you, like in the world of Virgin, so Virgin Startup has been brilliant at sharing uh, founder stories through social channels mm. over the last few years um, and running lots of masterclasses on doing this. And and um, because it is a, like a complicated overwhelming world isn't it to, to start to navigate when you're yeah. launching your business but within the Virgin Group itself it also seems like social media has moved from you know uh, this is a big business a uh, group of companies from something that was in the periphery to now it's like front and central and, and you know your boss uh, Sir Richard Branson is like uh, he's on it all the time uh tweeting from landing on space to like announcing events like this and so on so like, how does that work? How is it coordinated? And is it, is it just happened organically or is it very much strategic?
1: Yeah, I think it, it's really interesting. I think it, it's probably evolved over the last kind of 10 years. And I think, you know, you, you can probably kind of break down, you know, there's the Virgin kind of brand presence and there's the various different companies around the world that all have their own kind of social media presence. That would be very kind of carefully coordinated, kind of very strategic. Hello, Pella. (laughs) Piller just Um, popped in early. It's all good, Pella. uh, We'll see you in a moment. Yeah, but then you've got, you know, you kind of called out Richard Branson. I think that's a a really good example of how he's actually kind of balanced the kind of the business side of things and the personal side of things. And I think for him, he's found a really empowering channel over the years to, you know, to get his kind of message out there, to, to get his voice out there and to genuinely actually engage with people. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he was up in space two, three weeks ago and the next day he was promoting a virtual startup event. And I think it's you know it gives you that you know opportunity to cover kind of a range of things whether it's a business issue or personal issue you genuinely genuinely get to kind of engage with people to talk to people to get feedback and I think that's in 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 many respects I think it's there's a real kind of authenticity there and I think it's also kind of helped keep you know Virgin as a brand and you know Richard as its founder quite kind of relatable in touch with what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's impressive. He's relentless. And I know Holly, who you work with a lot, Holly Branks and his daughter does a lot on social too. And it it obviously works really effectively across the group and especially with the Virgins. You know, they're often like amplifying the Virgin startup community, the founders. So top tip, get, get involved. Share your story with Virgin Startup. I mean, you never know who might retweet you or or uh, yeah, throw you up on their on their Instagram. Um, so tonight, Andy, uh, we're going to meet these amazing three founders, and then after this chat over the next forty five minutes, people will have a chance to then go into these breakout sessions, which we always do. Uh, yeah. so that will happen at seven PM or, or BST, uh, and then in those rooms, you can come on camera or audio um, and just share your story, where you're at, what you're doing, chat to each other. We'll be in these rooms, and other members of the Virgin Startup up team um so come and say hi there is also i should say up front um a couple of poll questions so if you see on the chat if you just navigate across one it says polls and there's two polls there what is the main social media account you use for your business there's already uh, 40 odd votes on there so insta is winning winning the day um and the second question what brings you here tonight and the answer is lies of money no, it says, I have a business up and running. So it's got a majority of you already up and running, which is great to hear. Um, even if you're not, that doesn't matter. We hopefully inspire you to get up and running. And then the final thing I should say on uh, on on this tool here um, is there's a and a section. Um, Sasha is already there with a question and wants to know from Pilar, how do I open a podcast? So we'll ask that later. So... Um, you can put your Q&A, you put your questions there. And then you can, if you see a question that's similar to what you want to ask, instead of writing it again, just upvote that question. And we'll ask uh, towards the end of this chat some of those questions that have got the most votes. All clear? You got it, Andy? All clear. Sounds awesome. good. I'm going to introduce the ladies and I'll see you in 45 minutes yeah. or so. Thanks Take very away. much. So Thanks, we've got man. an incredible lineup of founders who've been in your shoes um have started and created businesses and they've got a remarkable wealth of social media experience uh so we've got lucy wright who's the founder of nice drinks lucy pillar and montana come and join us on stage so lucy started and sold a muesli brand whilst fee- freelancing here's montana's up first hey montana Here's lucy Hi,
2: welcome Hello.
0: lucy um there are 250 virgin startup people cheering you from around the world and pillar's back Hey, Pilar, how are you doing? Good to see you all. So I was just saying that Lucy's the founder of Nice Drinks, uh, started and sold a muesli brand whilst freelancing as a marketing consultant before realizing there was a gap in the market to create wine for whenever. So we're going to talk about that. Nice Drinks tonight. With 10 years of experience, we also have Pilar, who's an award-winning, in many ways, producer and social media lead and co-host and producer of the BBC's Reality Tea podcast and completing our crew tonight is influencer and founder montana brown who started the swim society a uk-based sustainable swimwear brand designed to empower all women and recently raised its first round of funding so big cheer there of montana because that's, a, that's a, a, a huge first step so ladies it's wonderful to have you with us tonight so we've got this huge growing crowd of uh, virgin startup entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs from all around the world and we just want to soak up as much knowledge from you uh, as we can over the next 45 minutes and also share some like quite personal and important stories in your own startup journeys um, so far. And I thought we would kick off and I know I haven't given you much warning, but we'll have some good answers here with a quick fire round of questions. And the first one is, can you take us back to your first social media experience? What was it? What was the platform? What was it like? Lucy,
3: so my first social media experience was Bebo. I can't quite Bebo. remember what you did other than like write on people's walls. But what I do remember is if you were not on Bebo, you were seriously not cool. It was all
0: happening <laughs> on Bebo. So Bebo was like a spinoff from MySpace, which was my, my first, first social media. So yeah, awesome. Um, Montana, what was yours?
2: Mine was actually MySpace. Um, I remember my song was Air Traffic Shooting Star. Um, and I had this real big like quiff going over my forehead and it was a great time.
0: Wow. We're going back some days here. Pilar, yeah. are you going to go back further or is it is it something more recent?
4: No, mine was actually um, Twitter. So I was working, no, actually mine was Facebook when I was at uni, but that's, bef- that's when like Facebook was a thing. And you know, like everyone's now <laughs> doing photo dumps. And um, I feel like Facebook photo albums were the original photo dumps. Like you'd go out for a night and one picture wouldn't do it. You'd like put like 10, 20 pictures up. Um, And yeah, that was my first experience through through uni, every night out, went on Facebook.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? You remember those times? And for me, it was MySpace. MSN Messenger, I guess, was the tool I was using at the time. And I remember it was just like, guy tom who was friends with everyone do you remember him tom on myspace and then and then like two million people joined and then it got sold to big corporate who was it was it bill gates or rupert murdoch bought it didn't he and then everyone was like so that we're off to the next one and and then it was just left with tom and justin timberlake then bought it it was tom and justin so but it still exists i think in some shape or form bebo's making a comeback i've heard as well
2: so, I'm a yeah. bit concerned that my profile is actually still live on one of these. Me too. Right. Can someone, cool up, can
0: someone dig up Montana's MySpace? I'm really uh, hoping. Find to. these ladies uh, early profile. They're still don't. up there. <laughs> okay, so thinking about um, talent on social media other than yourselves, who, who do you admire right now? Can you pick a brand or a person that you are like, they're super cool? We should check them out. Montana
2: so my friend actually owns a sustainable brand and before i'd actually started my own sustainable brand um she really inspired me um about transparency um the company name is riley studio they really kind of educate their customers on sustainable materials and the damages of buying into fast fashion um and obviously the pros and cons of um essentially switching over to sustainable things such as you know it's not as immediate. You can't get next day delivery. It takes a lot longer to produce, but it's obviously longer lasting. So I definitely recommend following her. It's Riley.studio um, and it's amazing.
0: Riley.studio and Virgin Startup Crew, as these shout out, we're going to have lots of these tonight. Just drop the links into the chat so people can check them out and follow. Um, and that's... I. I Montana, that whole world of fast fashion getting deconstructed by people like yourself and Riley's and loads of others is really shifting a lot of people's habits and behaviors. So it's it's great to see that movement. Lucy, who do you want to
1: shout?
3: I'm loving Mob Kitchen at the moment. I think they're a brand that are an amazing example of building a really strong community. One of the ways they've done that is through their incredible competitions. And I like the way they're very real and it's not all very curated and you really get to see the people behind the brand. So that that's the one I shout out.
0: Awesome. Mob Kitchen from Lucy and Pillar. who's yours?
4: Oh, mine would probably be like, I'm really loving We Are Tala at the moment. So Tala, uh-huh. that's Grace Beverly's brand. Like she's also a sustainable brand. Um, and I love that she's had a real big transition from being a YouTuber slash influencer into being an entrepreneur who not only, Um, who not only has this brand, but because she is essentially her customer, she talks to her customer in a way that feels... Sometimes I feel like certain brands try to adopt a tone of voice that is towards Gen Z or millennials where it seems fake, whereas because she is her audience, it comes across really authentic and there's a big educational angle to not only helping... people that buy her brand kind of get fit so there's the whole educational stuff with her partner brand but also um it educates them on what they do sustainably and um in terms of business so i I like what they do on social
0: that's a great example it's funny we were already talking about before you joined us might Pillar ziggy grace's grace's dog who when i interviewed her Took a, took a starring role. Um, so yeah, they're all connected. The, the one that I'm, I was thinking about that's on my mind at the moment is um, a Aussie startup called Great Rap and that's rap with a W and it's like compostable, like cling film. So it's the least sexy thing in the world, like cling film, like preserving food waste. But they're like, they're, they're Jay and Geordie, these Aussie, Aussie couple. And They're basically like, like, not making out, but they're kind of like full on in love with all the, uh, like on their boxes with all their like compostable cling films. So they've made... Cling film sexy and uh, they're nailing their social channel so check out great rap um cool and then finally on a warm-up question what about a tool or a feature that you use regularly in your social media work um that maybe people aren't aware of or, or just something that's super helpful to you Pilar, what about in your world
4: uh, actually something that i really like using when working with clients especially small businesses is a website called social blade um and that w- you to do is kind of landscape what your competitors are doing because I feel like sometimes When small businesses start their social media journey, they have um, unrealistic expectations in terms of what growth would be. So Mm. how many followers they have can grow, um, how many likes they should be expecting, levels of engagement and what social blade allows them to do. So when I work with clients, I say, well, let's go on this website and um, there's a free version. And of course, there's a paid version, but it allows you to kind of look at other people similar in your Okay. So um, they can look at people that have obviously been in the game a lot longer than them years, but they can also look at businesses in, on a similar kind of size to them and it will tell them how many followers on average they're gaining per month per day they break it down per day um, they average out their engagement rates in terms of percentages so I think it's just really good for landscaping and also managing expectations when working with um, small businesses and brands
0: that's a top tip so socialblade.com list has just dropped it in the chat um, because this is a big challenge right? vanity metrics versus metrics that matter trying to work your way through the fog so that's super useful uh, Montana what's a tool that you you go to a lot
2: um, so there's this kind of new platform called, I think it's called Loco. And it's essentially like a, it it connects brands with people. Um, so if you're looking at being an influencer or you've got a new brand or you've got a new product, you can connect with PR journalists at different events and you can basically send invitations to people and you, you kind of have different... You can put yourself in different categories, and what different categories that you would put yourself or your brand underneath, and then it's just kind of an exclusive platform where you can be connected with other people and like-minded people in your industry. And I think it's really, really helpful because there's often a lot of barriers of getting to know people in your industry. Mm. Um, There's also a lot of barriers if you know if you're very new, like myself, of meeting people who can be helpful because a lot of the time people don't want to share how to help, people don't want to share Mm. their stories, people don't want to give away their tips because they think that, you know, obviously people can be quite competitive, but it kind of eliminates that and everybody's kind of connecting and willing to help each other.
0: That's a great shout And is it, I mean, is it genuinely, because a lot of these things you think it's quite hard to make these connections, they make that promise. So how does it work? You just, look, you just like, put a post up and say, I'm looking to connect with someone here.
2: Yeah. So it's okay. almost, you make a profile. Um, okay. you, I think you either choose if you're a brand or a person, um, and then brands can reach out to, especially, it's really good if you're like a micro-influencer as well, um, because obviously if you've got a, a niche, there's brands out there that are looking for influencers who are quite niche. Um, so yeah,
0: that's how you connect on Well, it. prestigious Afro Beauty on the chat says, true story, Montana Brow. So yeah, it's go. resonating. Lucy?
3: Yeah, so I head up the sales side of our business, so my answer may be a little different on this one, but... Mm. The sales team at Nice spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, hustling, trying to find buyers and trying to find the right person to talk to. And an amazing girl called Annie in our team found a bit of software, which I have no idea how it's um, compliant and how it's allowed with GDRP, but it's called Hunter. And it allows you to be on someone's LinkedIn profile and something will pop up on the side and it will tell you the email address for that person so if you work in sales and you're trying to find leads it's a ridiculously helpful and time-consuming piece of software to use and i highly recommend it
0: i feel like we could just wrap up the session now so much gold (laughs) in the first 10 job done (laughs) can <laughs> chill. No, now it's story time. Okay, thank you for sharing those. And I put you on the spot. So g- great response in a short amount of time. So we'll start with you, Pilar, and then come to Montana and Lucy. So what I what we'd love to hear here at Virgin Startup is like, you know, the personal journeys behind the brands, the businesses, the projects that we're building, because um, that's where the real learning happens and the connection happens. So, Pilar, for you, you've done so much, but take us back to when the journey with, I guess, business and media started with you and, and what's happened since.
4: OK, so my first, actually, I went to uni, I went to Brunel and I studied um, business management with accounting um initially i started off with marketing but then you know like when you're at uni you just want to live your best life so, I <laughs> so you switched like, to accounting yeah so i switched to accounting <laughs> because accounting was like three days a week okay. and marketing was five days a week and i was just like listen i can't do lectures every single day. so i switched to accounting and what that enabled me to do is um take do a year out I went, took a year out and I worked in a record company. I worked for Warner Music Group. And Mm -hmm. it allowed me to then, I decided to. I wanted to stay within the media industry. I really wanted to be like a Diddy mogul. Um, Obviously, that didn't happen, but there's still time. Um, But I thought, okay, do you know what? I want to continue with this. So a job was going at a, a rival record company called Universal. And it was within the digital media team. So um, I decided to go for that. And essentially what got me the job is because I was always on Twitter in my team. Mm. So we used to look after the artists when we did artist relations. And, um, you know, when you're working with artists, they can be here, there, everywhere. But I always knew where everyone was just because I was on Twitter and like manning what they would tweet, what clubs they were at, what music is hot. So then I got that job. And because that job was two days a week and my course was three days a week, I was able to um, spend go back and do my final year at uni whilst doing people's social media at uni. So I was running MySpaces at the time. Um, So for older people, it was like Dame Shirley Bassey. And then (laughs) younger people, there was this band, like before One Direction, there was this band called The Wanted. And I would do their social media. Um, So yeah, that's how I got started. And since then, I've just basically hopped all around the shop. So done social media for... um, like advertising companies and then from advertising companies i was at bbh then i ended up in the world of tv and i did social media for oh pillow! you're just
0: bra- you're just breaking it. oh you're back your audio's is back that's it Carry on. Sorry, you just you just broke up a okay, I think your audio's back so please carry on.
2: Oh, I'm not sure that it is. Can no,
0: it you- was briefly. Yeah, maybe. Pilar, I think you're breaking, you're coming in and out. It was nice and smooth and it went all rocky. So we'll we'll pause the story there. It's a cliffhanger, what happened next? And I want to ask you about those early <laughs> hustles. Um, but we will come back to you when the connection improves. Montana, let's jump over to you. So, yeah, take us back to when when the journey began for you and how it's, how it's got to swim society.
2: So, obviously, I actually went on a television show called Love Island. I went on it what feels like decades ago, but it was five years ago um which ultimately gave me a platform and then i was thinking about what kind of things i was passionate about and what things that i wanted to do because i felt like influencing for me it it i kind of felt a little bit like i wasn't helping anybody i was just kind of it's kind of a bit of a self-indulgent industry um so i thought how can i help people so i kind of was racking my brains because a big part of swim society specifically is connecting with people and kind of bringing the community together and especially females. Um, Mm. and so I think for me that it all started when I was really passionate about mental health and how can I be helping people with what I'm doing? I want to create a brand, but I also want there to be a community attached to that that I can also connect with and connect other people with as well. Um, and so we created swim society. We made it sustainable because obviously looking after the planet is really, really important. Um, And alongside that, we have such an amazing connected community full of just inspiring and amazing women sharing their stories about mental health, about body image, about really kind of breaking those body stereotypes that we see in the campaigns and that we have done um, Mm. for years and years. Because most campaigns don't represent your average woman and we very much like to present your average woman and that is still beautiful and that is still amazing and that's what we kind of promote and yeah i I think um one thing that's really important especially if you're watching this and you've got a startup brand is that connecting with people is everything um because you can't just be a brand and people aren't just shopping on the high street anymore and just popping into a shop and then you're not you don't have to be um accountable for your actions you're so accessible as a brand so just make sure that every single aspect of your supply chain, every single person that comes into contact with you is having a positive experience. And that just comes from being a nice person. Um, And I think that's probably the best advice that I would
0: give. It's it's brilliant advice. And it's fantastic, like yourself and like Grace Beverly, obviously, and sort of alongside each other, they're shifting, you know, especially around stereotypes. And five seconds of landing on Swim Society, you can see that what the brand stands for, what it's about and like who it's for and, and how it's trying to change things. So I just wanted to, get a sense Montana of like, how much of this has been pure instinct for you? Like, regardless of the platform that you got, you know, you earn and built off the back of love Island. like how much of this has been like, this feels good. This feels right. work versus lots of research, lots of like teaching myself about social media marketing, doing classes, talking to a bunch of people who've done it before. Like what's been that mix of I'll, I'll figure it out versus I'm going to go and learn from others.
2: It's very much like, I, I, I'm not even joking, we are winging it in terms of, um, you know, creating a brand that, you know, I'm, I don't have a business background. I don't have a finance background. And so building a brand from scratch, having none of those building blocks is, has been really, really difficult. Um, but I have to say the thing that's made it successful so far is the community and connecting with people and mm. making sure that people have an emotional connection to your brand and I think that only comes from being open, being transparent, owning up when you make mistakes um, and also kind of making people feel worthy, make, making people feel good about themselves. So we actually do um, an open casting so we we want real bodies and real women as part of our campaign and um, so we did a big open casting and we had kind of over, over 700 applicants and we met all these lovely women in person and it was nothing short of a miracle, like the mm. vibe, the energy on that day. its was a festival
0: just, in itself.
2: It was a festival yeah. and it was just women celebrating women. And none of these women knew each other. And they were going for coffee. They were going shopping. They were exchanging numbers. And I feel like that's so rare in later life that you're actually able to connect with people on that kind of level. And it's a really beautiful thing. And that's when I kind of had an epiphany that this is really what I want to be doing.
0: Oh, you—you yeah, you nailed that—that that bringing the people together. There, the challenge, I guess, with a lot of pe- a lot of community building projects is you can have that super clear mission that everyone wants to get behind, but then you've got this. Uh, people bring their hopes and dreams to this this community, and at, at the same time, it's a business. So I wonder if you've got to the point of like that challenge where people are sort of like, oh, this means so much to me, but that that's not the perfect product or something. Is it? Is it? it how do you manage the tension between the two?
2: I think it's hard because. Um, especially now that I have investment. I mean, Mm. a a lot of my kind of headspace has to shift to budgets and finances and cash flow and forecasts, which is not something that I'm necessarily familiar with even checking in on. Um, But it's a case of just putting, you have to put the product first, of course, and make sure the margins are there. Um, But ultimately, every single business, it's not not a secret. Everyone wants to have large margins, smallest costs, highest profits. I mean, that's not you know, that's not rocket science, but your point of difference and your USP has to shine bright. And that goes beyond how much your product is and what your margins are. That's making sure you have repeat customers. And for me, I think your product will sell itself if it's good, but it will last if people actually buy into you and you as a brand. And they can't do that if they can't see visibly like what your supply chain is, where your stuff is made. They can't see that someone's caring about the environment. If they can't see that someone's caring about you, then you'll just lose people.
0: That's brilliant. Someone, someone's writing that down a hundred times somewhere. Right. (laughs) So there's a a great line. Um, and, and it's, it's led by in all your cases, but brilliant communication, um, you know, relentless, brilliant communication. I want to talk about the relentlessness, the upside downsides of it (laughs) in in a little while. Bill, I'll come back to you and finish your story and then, and then come on to Lucy. So you were talking about managing these bands from Shirley Bassey through to the wanted, hustling your way into like being their social media managers. What happened next?
4: Um, after that, I started doing social media. Went to work for agencies and then landed myself in. So I social media for TV shows,
0: including the one and only Love Island.
4: Yes, including. <laughs> I worked as part of the social media creative team um, at ITV Two. And we did that campaign, which really helped them tap into kind of youth culture and pop
3: culture.
0: Yeah. And, and what's, what happened with it? you know, you've got this big kind of corporate media brand like ITV and like, you've got all your ideas for what, how you think Love Island can go to the next level. Do you just walk in and go, Hey guys, I think we can, we can step this up. What was your pitch?
4: No. So it was almost an accident if I have to be honest, but we had, um, a a creative director a manager Laura got to shout her out open because when you go into corporate, the biggest issue is that the men up top don't understand what's happening on the ground and Laura was a very open person so she said to me and my colleague she said just run with it and we did she was actually off for a week she wasn't well so we went wild and then actually it worked so by the time she came back she What did you like, do? We we asked was um, we were the original fan of Love Island. So being the original fan at the time, that meant introducing memes onto the channel. So we started doing memes, we started doing the kind of memes that a fan account would do. So people weren't seeing us as a TV channel. They were seeing us as, this is part of our community. They're a fan as much as we are a fan. And that's what really kicked us a true love island fan you speak in love island language where it's not cringe um and also <laughs> you you are uh, you under you understand um you understand what the what the memes are sometimes we'll be putting memes up before the meme channels they'll be reposting us and that's what's probably like the official seal of approval like yeah you, you've got the tone right because yeah. when when a real it's like a 14 year old kid is running this channel is like reposting your memes. You know, you're doing something correct. Um, and then it went on to win an award. So for us, it was really about um, understanding the audience, speaking to the audience and actually being a genuine part of that audience. So we lived, breathed. Slept Love Island.
0: You seized <laughs> that opportunity at like two hundred percent. It's brilliant to hear. And then tell us a little bit about the, the podcast. I mean, it's fantastic what you what you're doing now. And like the world of podcasting has exploded in the last two years, right?
4: Thank you. you no know, He has and podcast that transition from social media to podcast because they're very similar in in understanding content. Once you understand content, you're just producing a longer form of it. And social media is such a big part of getting this podcasting and audio out into the world. Um, so we really kind of took the strategy we'd used, like working with Love Island, and just applied it to what we were doing. Again, doing certain podcasts is for the fans. So you're speaking the fans' language, but you instead the mean. Best kind, kind of, of podcast, especially for millennials and Gen Z, are the, the people that can connect um, to their audience online. So you now have a longer form of content and you've got to break that down into digestible bits, figure out what works best on Instagram, what's best for Instagram stories, what's best for Twitter, what's best for Facebook.
0: we just lost you at the end there but we got we got the majority of it all about clipping in different formats and um you can see people do i mean it's basically we're all editors now and and some of you some people have taken to the next level like you like you have um which is fantastic so lucy coming to your story sort of a you know serial entrepreneur now i mean it's literally serial but like serial (laughs) in the sense that you've done it more than once so tell us about your journey and where you're up to
3: Okay, so I'll I'll try and give you the very shortened down version. So I launched a company called Cuckoo, fresh out of Newcastle University. Did it with my best friend, had zero business experience. I didn't even know what a margin was. And Cuckoo made on-the-go chilled healthy breakfast pots we launched it into whole foods and then managed to win distribution with people like tesco co-op waitrose ocado i looked after the sales side of the business that's always what i've loved and it's always come very naturally to me ran it for four years lots of highs and lots of lows anyone launching a chilled product with a short shelf life it really comes with it with its challenges After four years of running it, we managed to sell it, which sounds far more glamorous than it was in the sense that I I didn't make any money from it. But I have zero regrets. I'm so proud of what we achieved. And I look at it as the best business school that I ever could have gone to. I then didn't fancy going to work for anyone else, so set up a consulting business. Well, I mean, it was just me on my own, helping food and drink businesses build out their sales strategy, understand different route to markets. Did that for two years, and during that time, I met Jeremy, my amazing co-founder, who was leaving Propercorn, having built their international business. Him and I decided we didn't want to be career consultants. We'd love to set up a food and drink business together and we knew we wanted it to be either creating an entire new category as someone like v- Vita Coco did for coconut water or disrupting a big existing category as someone like Brewdog did mm. so then timing's a funny thing because a week later i was scrolling through instagram i discovered a wine in a can traced it back to America, immediately became incredibly crazed, excited, obsessed, could really imagine it was the type of product I would drink, could imagine it at festivals, on the train. So obsessively looked into it for a week, researched the American market, saw how much the category was growing over there, pitched the idea to Jeremy and he agreed that we were onto something and then we did a real month of real hard research and work and i do feel if you if you have a business idea really validating the idea is a really good thing to do and validating it beyond your friends and family who are going to tell you it's a great idea so we did everything from you know walking around Shops in London, news agents, asking them how many mini bottles of wine they sold. We Mm -hmm. also went on to actually buy some data, which cost us, it was a £1,000, so £500 each. And that told us the size of the mini bottles of wine in the UK and cocktails in a can in the UK. That was one of the best things that we did because the data was very reassuring. And then it gave us the confidence to go on with the business. So we worked on setting it up for a year, doing everything from building the supply chain, sourcing the wine to building the brand we self-funded that part and then at the end of that year We got the business to a point where we had an amazing looking brand, supply chain set up. We had a a 400 store listing with Sainsbury's Agreed. We'd spent all of our own money. So we went to raise our first round of investment. And then we launched the business in 2019 with a pale rosé in a can, Sauvignon Blanc in a can and a Malbec. And we're now three years into our journey. And Nice is now the fastest growing canned wine brand in the UK. We're also the number one independent canned wine brand. Our customers include full distribution in Sainsbury's, Ocado, Wimbledon Tennis, Lords Cricket, Chelsea Football Club, and we're doing about 45 festivals and events this year. Our team's now grown to the size of 11, and we're working towards becoming a B Corp business, which is something we're very passionate about—really doing business in the right way. And our brand business is also going beyond cans. We've got a new product line coming out in October, which is all around wine. So. The ambition for Nice is really to build a future wine company that's really focused on putting consumers first. I think for so long, the wine industry has been very intimidating, heavily male-dominated, incredibly stuffy. We've all been made to feel silly by the wine waiter, and we want to create a brand that is far more inclusive and really talks, um, talks to consumers rather than talks at consumers. So there's probably a lot more I can say, but I realized that was
0: a bit of a that is a pitch. That is a pitch, isn't it, ladies? It was, well, I'm sold. <laughs>
1: so,
0: you know, so loads of things to that. I just wanted to reflect on one of them, Lucy, which was your early research. So this is a mistake that a lot of us, I've fallen into so many times. And, and it's, you can it's even though you do it over and over again with startups, you're like, ah, which is the research, which is that thing where you go and ask friends and family, what do you think of our idea with your nice mock-ups and everything? They're like, it's brilliant. I love it. Or like, are you sure you want to do it? But either way... They're lying to you, not deliberately, but because they're, they're telling you the answer out of love because they want to protect you or they want you to go for it because they know it will make you happy. They're not doing it because they're experts on canned, the canned wine industry. But what you did there was like, how many did you sell last week in the local agent? Or like, what does the data tell us? Like historical data telling people's behavior. It's a huge lesson. So take Lucy's, uh, copy and paste that in your own startup, everyone. I've now, some,
2: um, can I have a question for Lucy just on the the whole story front? Um, Just because I'm really interested because I feel like the way that we both started our brands is like completely different in terms of, you obviously learned so much in terms of like business from starting your first brand, which you then took onto your second brand, which is obviously hugely successful. What would you put, put your success down to in terms of like the early stages for someone like myself, who I was like, I actually went into business with some people who I just really shouldn't have gone into business with. And I've had to kind of buy the company back off them and all those kind of things. So it got myself in a real pickle. So how did you avoid all those things? Cause I'm sure you had so many people that wanted to work with you. Like how did you kind of, how did you, yeah. What would you, what would you say is how you've got yourself to where
3: you are now? Yeah. So I'm going to say two things. I could say 10, but I'm going to say two. The first one is curiosity. So at night, we only employ people that are really curious. So at the beginning, I knew nothing. I walked around Whole Foods. I saw the brands that I liked. I looked at the email address on the back of the packaging and I was like, how did you get your brand into Whole Foods? And I very quickly started to see that so many people in the food industry, it might well be different in your industry, really want to help. And so I've really taken that throughout my career, and I meet two brands every week brands like Dashwater, Ben, you were drinking it earlier. And I just swap notes, and I'm just super curious about learning everything they're doing, where are they winning? You know, where are they winning distribution wise? And I give a lot of knowledge back to them. It's slightly different in my industry because they're not direct competitors. So being super curious and asking for help, that is something that I do every single day and I'm not afraid to do it. And then the second one is a bit more of an obvious one, but it's being a serious hustler so I first of all had waitrose just ignore my emails and I got in the car and I drove to the head office and basically waited for the buyer and like pounced on him and then I got a meeting and then I got a listing and I did a similar thing with Sainsbury's which was even more weird and stalkerish which I'll, I'll save for <laughs> another time. But just really not taking no for an answer getting the balance right between being like pissing them off and being persistent um but being a major hustler
0: yeah, and being creative Amazing. with it as well. That's great, to hear. Thanks for that extra bonus question, Montana. So, zooming in on social media, what I think a lot of people who are who are online tonight would love to hear is is around like what does your day to day like work look like from a social perspective? So, how much time do you spend on working on your social media or or getting get working on that side of the business, your social marketing? Um, what percentage of your spend is in that space? you could roughly like think about that and like, what does it, where, where do you focus your energy? Is it on the creative? Is it on the edit? Is it on the, uh, is it on the, is it on the whole thing? So Montana for you, what does your social media weekly work look like?
2: So obviously I've got kind of two prongs to this because I am an influencer. I also own a brand. So from an influencer point of view, my, my content is very raw. Mm. Like I picked up a lamb in Ireland the other day and I posted it that's how kind of random and it's, it's not very intentional and it's not very curated. Um, because uh, yeah, exactly. So my, my Instagram is very much showing a snippet of what I do in my life. It's not really kind of look at my outfit, look at my hair, because most of the time it doesn't look very nice. Um, from a brand perspective, um, I can't say, I can't take any credit for it because we have my lovely social media manager, Laura, and she's very much, kind of plans in advance what she's going to post on social media. We post every single day. I think consistency is really, really key. And just making sure that you know your brand inside out better than anybody. Mm. And that's something that I feel like we do really, really well is that we are so authentic. And I think people fall into bad habits of copying what has worked for other brands, mm. especially when you're a new brand. I think it's, it's so easy to kind of look at a bigger brand and be like, oh, that worked really, really well for them. Let's try and do that. Um, but what might work well for them might not work well for you. So I think just really knowing your tone of voice, knowing your brand personality is really, really important. So, you know, use things like Plannerly, which is um, like a social media planning app. So you can plan what your feed's going to look like. If that's what your feed is about, is looking aesthetically pleasing, um, then you can use that to plan your content and see what it's going to look like. Um, And just be authentic, I think. but yeah, so Laura posts every single day for Swim Society. Mine is definitely less frequent.
0: And, and on that strategy side with Swim Society, I, I'm curious as to how much of it is like buy our stuff. We've got great products, buy them, versus uh, we're, we're trying to, we want to create value, whether it's through entertainment or education or inspiration. Like what's the mix there? Do you do you make it really clear that like, okay, we're here to entertain and to inform and to inspire versus, by our stuff is there is there a ratio between them
2: so for us we actually see a lot more people engaging in our content focused um kind of posts because so for example we have a blog and a lot of the things that we post are about kind of mindset and posting Mm. about motivational things like affirmations and gratitudes and we see quite a high engagement for that and that feels authentic to me because i'm kind of very spiritual and kooky, and i believe in the universe and i feel like what you're putting out into the world comes back as well. So that for us feels really, really authentic. So I think that a lot of people buy into our brand because we are kind of motivational and we do try to uplift people and we do try to kind of give tips on small lifestyle changes that they can make to make them happier in their day-to-day life. And I do see a big um, shift in people wanting that kind of information as well as the swimwear. So I'd say it's probably 50-50 obviously Mm. to do with product And then obviously just motivational things.
0: Yeah. This is so great that people want this. I mean, it's just like, we all want to do it, right? But the fact that it's, people want it and they then buy products as well it's, it's just it's just a I good like time the,
2: the happier people are the more somewhere they're going to buy they're
0: more, so- they're more likely to buy the stuff <laughs> Pilar, in your in your world of i know so in the podcasting world i mean everything is it goes into like the production of that right there's a huge amount of work but on the kind of promotional side of it on the social side like how much what do you do what, what does it look like for you
4: um, I would say it's about 60-40, 60% audio first, and then 40% um, prom- promotional. So to make sure that people know, okay, the podcast is out, here's where you can listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what I would say is that having worked across um, different types of brands, obviously now I'm doing podcasts, but having worked with small businesses um, and different types of brands. I think the, the the main thing to realize, especially as like a small business or entrepreneur, is that as soon as you can afford to hire a social media manager, because people don't realize that it, it is equivalent to a full time job. Um, so that's what I would say the first thing is, because um, and the other thing is preparation is definitely the key to social media. The more that you have things, the easier it is to to not fall at the hurdles that people generally fall on with social media. So for example, consistency. Entrepreneurs have so many other things to be worrying about, like their marketer, the accountant. They might even have to clean the office. Do you know what I mean? Pack the the product is that actually social media is generally an afterthought for a lot of um, small businesses so someone like me who's always worked into social media like wherever I go now doing podcasts it's a bonus because I'm thinking about social media if not first then second for entrepreneurs I find it's the complete opposite it's the last thing sales is forefront um, in their mind unless they have an understanding of it so I would say like having being as prepared as possible is great and what I think well obviously depending on the business is try to have preparation so having a content calendar where you can have your content across the week kind of pre-planned leave space to be reactive to things that are happening in your industry things that are happening on the internet anything that's like a timely story um so that's what I would say and that that's what with there's two routes you can take it's either evergreen content which you can post on social media anytime or it's stuff that is really relevant and it's pop culture so you have to get out like within a day otherwise it's stale news so i work on i produce two two different types of shows either evergreen content or um pop culture content and with pop culture content timing is everything or you miss the boat
0: Yeah, you've got to ride the events and and react and and sometimes cancel content, right? Because of what's going on. Really important point, Pillar. Thank you.
2: I actually wanted to. Can I snowball onto Pillar's point? Because I actually think the whole social media being at the forefront is really, really important because we are very much a social media led brand. And people really lack that personal touch in terms of brand. They're very much like, our consumers are over there and we're over here and there's no real connection and social media allows people to see what it is like to be part of your business and that is such an amazing thing and obviously it's a thing of the 21st century but it's also a massive tool that people should be using like i know laura is up probably all night messaging people replying to every single dm that we get which wow. so it's not just a nine to five it's not just a monday to friday she i just know for a fact it's probably 10 p.m. at night she'll get a dm off the swim society account and she'll be la 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 hi there how are you how's your day and having a chinwag with a customer and i think it's it's amazing because you have to find somebody with that grit and that determination and that passion to do that because it does require to you for you to be going above and beyond so that your consumers feel heard like we always are doing kind of polls and Um, different kind of focus groups with our consumers and people that follow us um, to get their feedback for sustainability, to get their feedback on the product, to get feedback on the website and how easy it is to navigate. And that's the, I think, a really important thing that people should be doing.
0: And and people who who were, you know, marketers from a decade ago or, or, or longer ago to brands that don't do what you've just described, Montana, Okay, are you crazy you've got direct access and you're not asking these people all the time for this constant like constant conversation about like where are you at what do you think gotta get on it i live in canva that's my tool of tool of joy and uh <laughs> <it's a laughs> amazing. and they just they just connected with buffer which means you can go canva buffer and then out into the world mm-hmm. um lucy what's your social media work week look like
3: So I don't run the social media side of things. We've got three people in the marketing team that look after everything and kind of the rules we live by in social media. are: Our business mantra is leading to lead and not follow. So we want our feed to not look like a traditional food and drink brand or a traditional wine brand. It actually looks more like a fashion brand, and we want to do that in order to cut through the noise. We then have a community manager, just like Montana, literally replies to every single comment. Anyone that likes our post will also just go around randomly and say nice things to people because our business is called nice. We have five pillars that generally we post about, so it's products, team, lifestyle, memes, and listings, um, and we switch those up if, if something's not working. We put everything on later. That's our, that's our software that we um, put it on to then post. And then most importantly in our business, we're very data-driven. So at the end of every month, we analyze absolutely everything. We look at the posts that have done well, the posts that have done badly, and then that will form our social media strategy going forward. What do people want to see more of? For example, our team posts always perform really well our business is 10 women which is very rare in the wine industry Mm. post about the fact that we are 10 women and it got the most likes and the most kind of interaction so we know that that's what people want to see so analyzing what's working and what isn't is super important for us and then also finally just making sure we're really including everyone so just like montana we like to use women of all all different sizes because we're a brand for everyone
0: and i love that whole point of like we want to look like a fashion brand even though we're a drinks company and and you look at your like highlights on your on your insta it's like a palette of colors you know it's it's not like oh this is drink this is like a whole like i'm interior decorating my life with all this color um so many good tips and now time is flying as I thought it would with the three of you, but there's a cut, three things I want to try and get through in the next 10 minutes. One is talk about channels Two is mental health, which is a tiny topic in this subject. Um, and three is to answer a couple of questions from our crowd. Um, so on the channel side, like tell us about which channel, how do you decide? Cause a lot of people here go, where do I start? Like, tiktok's blowing up hang on linkedin's coming back and being well you've insta it's all about insta do we still do facebook you know we talked about myspace maybe we go back like how do you decide where to focus your attention montana
2: um i would say (laughs) it's so funny because when tiktok first kind of came about obviously it's literally the newest social media platform and the fastest growing um and I was like, oh God, I'm not doing that. I was like, I'm going to feel so old on that app. I'm not doing it. Next thing you know, I'm TikToking, learning all these dances. Um, and I think it's it's just about, it is about like what Pillar said, about being reactive a lot of the time. And when you see that something's doing amazing and people are doing amazing things and um, you've got to kind of catch on to it whilst, and strike whilst the iron's hot and for example, with TikTok, I kind of really, really love that social media platform because it's not so much supporting the big dogs in the industries. People can pay on Instagram to be on the top of someone's feed. It's not in chronological order. You don't. I don't even see my friends anymore on Instagram. Um, so I think it's really, really important that if you do have a startup brand, absolutely go on TikTok. Um, because brands are selling out on TikTok and things are going viral. And I think what's such an amazing thing is that you don't have to be a somebody. Or you don't have to be a massive player in that specific industry to go viral on TikTok. You could be, it could be someone, somebody from Blackpool, um, I don't know, who's making handmade jewelry. You could be anybody with any type of brand and you could go viral on TikTok. And that's what I think is so amazing is that it doesn't really discriminate and it doesn't really, it supports the underdogs um obviously it's it's still growing and i think obviously there's a danger of it kind of leading into it supporting the big dogs of course there's money to be made there um but i think you know strike whilst the iron's hot and if you have a small brand absolutely go out there and get tiktok in
0: get tiktok in says montana um pilar where's where do you spend your time which channels
4: i mean i'm a lover of instagram but what i would say like for small businesses Essentially, every platform is as powerful as it can be, depending if your audience is there. So we haven't spoken about Pinterest, but Pinterest is still helping a lot of people sell because it's got a specific type of demographic. So I think the most important thing is to understand who your audience is. And then the second thing is you need to find out um, if you know who your audience is, it's quite easy to then segment and figure out which channels you should be using, because actually, if you're targeting mums, for example, you might have a brand for new mums or for babies, then actually, potentially Facebook is still right for you as well as Instagram. Whereas um, if you're an interior design company, then actually Pinterest is going to be so powerful for you. So the important thing is understanding who your specific audience is and going where there's all, every company kind of publishes what their demographics are. These websites such as TechCrunch, social media, etc. Ex- Percentage of males this age group. Um, so I would say that's the most important thing. And the other thing is to pay attention to trends as Montana said because TikTok, you can see explosive growth because it's a new platform. Um, but also on Instagram, um, if you look at how the if you look at how the platform is kind of performing, you will see that they've introduced reels to kind of compete with TikTok. So therefore mm if you are a small user on Instagram and you start doing TikToks, the algorithm is going to show you favor because this is a, a new thing that they want everyone to use. So um, I do think that just because, just because a platform's big and you feel like you're small, doesn't mean that you can't still use it. So there's ways just pay attention to like, what is the, what is the new thing Instagram is promoting? What's the new thing Twitter is promoting and, and try and jump on those things like reels and, um, Um, these Twitter spaces, they just got rid of their version of um, Instagram stories. But, you know, pay pay attention to what your platform is, where your demographic is, and try and use the tools available to you. But I agree, like TikTok, someone we worked with last year saw such explosive growth over the lockdown. And that's because it is a platform that is available to everyone. There are some stars, of course, but it's not not hard to, to hit that Initial couple of grand, or to get momentum,
0: and it's the same strategy. If you're if you're creating a podcast, Sandrine is asking, like, which, which channel to, to promote on? Is it the same strategy? Like, where's your audience?
4: Hundred percent, because every podcast is different. There's so many different types of podcasts. There's true crime. There's pop culture. There's interviews. So again, it's the same thing. Understanding who your audience, because with podcasting, social media is essentially all about the discovery of the podcast. That is podcasters have is like how can we get our new podcast discovered so you need to go where your people are so that and be part of that community lucy said it like they're always engaging with their audience always leaving comments you've got to be part of that community and the big the other biggest hurdle of podcasting is getting people from one app Onto another app, you want them on Apple, you might want them on BBC Sounds, you might want them on Spotify. So, you've got an even harder job. You need to really get in there with the social media, then you need to take them off to another app.
0: So much gold pillar, thank you. Uh, now is Amari on your team, Lucy? Yes, yeah, she's doing a great job. Every like 20 lines, she's like dropping your Insta link in again into the chat. Oh,
3: well done, Amari. She's there, she's like, <laughs> Yes, nice. She said,
0: yeah. Nice company to work at. Um. So curiosity it goes back to curiosity, right? Which you talked about earlier. It's like this hunger for like what's next? What can I play with next? And it's this playful mindset. Is that how is that sort of track that you followed with your businesses?
3: Is that me? me? No, that's Tapilla.
0: Yeah, Lucy, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was just saying in terms of your, so, like choosing your channels and where to put your time. Channels.
3: So for us, um, Instagram is our hero channel. That's what we call it. We really see that as our shop window. Mm. I know when I email the Tesco buyer, they will look on our Instagram rather than look on our website. So for me with my sales hat on, I want to make sure it's showing the right content to our buyers, but it's really where we're building out our community. And then secondly, we focus on LinkedIn. We really, really focus on that because again, Lots of the customers we're trying to get into spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So I want to be continuously posting about the successes that NICE are having. Facebook and Twitter, we just we post and we we reply to everyone, but we're not hugely active on there. And then Amari from the team, I have to admit, I've never been on TikTok. Amari from the team has brought our TikTok to life and she's done an amazing job. I mean, we're all trying to do what Little Moons did um, and mm-hmm. we're not quite there, but she has done a really good job at, at least... Telling an oldie like me, you know what we need
0: to do on TikTok. Yeah, and be experimental and creative. And um, so, final sort of question. No, actually, I've got to ask a couple of questions from the from the crew watching tonight as well. But if you can hang on for are you all right to hang on for five more minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You haven't got another studio to run to, pillar. Okay. No,
4: good. I'm doing it from the studio. <laughs> from the studio.
0: You just live in the studio, just jumping between feet. Um, so the question is we want to just touch on like it feels like a really of course it does, a really uplifting 45 minutes from my point of view, like so much valuable practical advice and so much like strong, like mission value driven like feeling about how we can change the world and build businesses and live our full lives and empower people, which is what I expected from the three of you, but you but you delivered so beautifully on it. Um, but what about the tough side of this? So relentless. we talked about relentlessness, like both in terms of delivering in the middle of the night, answering those feeds. But for Montana, for you, you've been like, you've built, you've got this, you know, you're a significant influencer on on this thing called the internet. How do you cope? Like where do you draw the line? Um, what's it like for you?
2: Uh, I think I had quite a tough experience in terms of, uh, the industry that I'm in, the fashion industry, is kind of ruthless, and there are a lot of sharks out there. There's a lot of investors out there, and and I think you know, I f- I firstly went into business with three guys, and they didn't really understand what I wanted to achieve in terms of the ethos of the brand. And like, why would they understand that? And I think at the time, it didn't really click. Um, but so you know, I I was very very frustrated for the first two years when the business was around because. My voice wasn't being heard. I felt like I didn't have full visibility of the business. And it just really, it was very disheartening. And so eventually I got out of that sticky situation, um, which was amazing. But I think think it is really tough because it makes you question if you want to do what you've set out to do. Mm -hmm. And I think I doubted myself so much. Like, how am I supposed to do this on my own? Like, if I do get this company by myself and I do buy them out, how am I going to run this on my own? Um, because especially with no business experience. So I think it's, it's about having confidence in what you're selling essentially and not just what you're selling, that you can do it well and that you're a good person as well. Um, and I always kind of joke about um, this with the girls that I work with. But I do believe that we've got to where we are by being nice people um, sure. and having a good heart and actually just connecting with people. And something that I would really recommend to anybody starting a brand is have a yes year and just say yes to everything. Hmm. Um, Because I'm going to tell you actually in a very short form how I managed to get my investment, which you guys are going to be like, that is ridiculous. I was in Barbados. Okay, I'm going to cut it real short because I know we're on time limit. I'm in Barbados. Someone, random guy on the beach tells me about Clubhouse. I download Clubhouse. I'm in a room. I'm in a room with this guy who I wasn't aware of at the time, but he is an investor and he also owned a brand called social chain. His name is Don McGregor. And I got chatting to him. I messaged him afterwards saying, I thought what you're saying was really powerful. I'd love to pick your brains about my business because I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it. And I'm in the dark. Um, Long story short, he's now my investor. So if I was never in Barbados and I, which I wasn't going to go in the first place and I was never on clubhouse, which I didn't want to go on in the first place then I wouldn't have had my investment. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think I'm super, super lucky to be in the position that I'm in and for it to be smooth sailing mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, but I think you have to just say yes to opportunities, um, whether it seems relevant to you or not. Meeting new people, connecting with people, getting yourself outside of your house, being stuck in your laptop in your house is not gonna connect you with people. You can work as hard as you want, but ultimately you can't do it on your own. Um, so. I think that's what's helped me out the tough times is connecting with the right people. And that's, that's how I did
0: it. That's a great story on And, and final question on this, do you, do you ever turn it off? Turn off what? Your social. Do you ever get detoxed? Oh, ever, always. Yeah. What, what, honestly,
2: what? always, I'm, I'm not always on my phone. I'm not always on my Instagram. I think be present, appreciate who you have around you and just make genuine, authentic connections and you've got a good start.
0: That's great. It's really important to hear from someone like yourself because people sometimes think oh, I have to be on it the whole time. It's like no, you no. know, look after yourself. Brilliant, um, pillar. Anything to add on the, on this whole mental health um, roller coaster of living online?
4: Um, no, I think everything Montano said was great. I actually really admire how you've been an advocate for mental health, even through Love Island and stuff. Um, I'm the complete opposite, to be honest, because it's such a big part of my work, and I do work behind the scenes in terms of up. Our- uploading and strategy my screen time is out of this world like
2: Mm.
4: minimum eight hours a day once Mm. (laughs) once I get my average it's disgraceful but I have to like my it's such a big part of my work that I'm on it all the time I'm just mindful on on who I follow personally so that I'm make sure I'm not taking in I try to limit the stuff that I I take in um that can maybe like disturb my my mental health um so yeah because i'm on it so much especially when you're running accounts that are very you are like served things full on so i'm happy mm. that um now that i've moved a bit more into podcasting i i can i can hopefully get my screen time down
0: yeah exactly audio time up screen time down <laughs> and lucy what how have you managed it over the over the years
3: so um, I would say hiring great people really helps because it takes the workload off. We're building an incredible team with amazing people that I fully trust to do the job. And then second of all, I'd also say the mentors that I have have really helped. I've got some incredible female mentors that I know I can ring at any point. I rang Ron the other day and actually burst into tears on the phone. Mm. To her that I just needed to do that. And she listened and helped me. And then, also the obvious things, but for me, I do a dog walk every morning and then I I can't miss a meal. I make an amazing breakfast. Like sometimes I make pancakes. I find the time to do that every day. And I also really self-indulgent, but I do get a massage like every two months, Get just get an urban massage. And that just really helps me. Um, and I am quite good at switching off. Like I'm not working all the time. I, I, that's not the type of founder I want to be. I I do find, you know, I do find on a Sunday, you know, I won't look at my computer or my phone. So Having that switch off time, otherwise you're just going to burn out. I think is really important.
0: You've just heard from three leaders in the in the modern media age say that they all switch off and have discipline. So I hope everyone takes that on board because that's what leads to ultimately to success and uh, and good well being as well. Um, now, listen, I've skimmed through all the questions and we've actually covered pretty much all of them already which is great um but there is one here which i think um we'll, we'll just ask really quickly and it's quite practical and it's on influencers so jade is asking when trying to work with um micro or medium influencers she says what should your starting budget be for a post or a story has anyone got like i know everything's variable but has anyone got to uh, want to throw out like if you're trying to start work with influencers how you go about it
2: i, w- I would actually say that Especially because I get sent so many things from different brands, I think if you're really particular with who you send to and you do your research, if you're sending somebody who already kind of loves, if it's sustainability, for example, we we would look at sustainable influencers. But if you've got a really niche product in terms of food or drink, um there are kind of niche influencers that if they love the product, they will share it. If I really like something, I will put it on my story whether I'm getting paid to or not just because I want to shout about it so I think it's about doing the research of kind of who you're sending it to I I don't think even though I would obviously I've got a lot of followers but I personally wouldn't send it to people like myself because um you know you get sent so much it can get lost I think if you're really intentional with who you're sending things to and it feels like an authentic fit then that's obviously going to be more likely for them to just share it and then you don't have to pay for it
0: Top tip. Any others on influencers?
4: Um, so I would say, like having been on the other side, like approaching influencers, like a hundred percent what Montana said in terms of um, if you if it's the right fit, people would share it. But I also think, like as a small business, you've got to be realistic. Like sometimes I have entrepreneurs like approaching me for work, and they're like, this product will and i, I think them, them. honestly like even if you're emailing somebody with the hope that they'll do, it, do it, it for free you've got to always have a budget in mind just in case because you're dealing with people it's not guaranteed and for a lot of people this is their work and you've got to also respect that um, so i that that's what i would say so i think maybe like mini influencers because you've got <laughs> Many influencers, some people would be offended with 100, 150, I think 500. This is just me being very frankly honest with you guys. I think 500 is an, a nice kind of like if you can afford it, starting mark for certain type of influences, because then it's like, okay, they're about to take your conversation seriously. In in my personal, honest opinion, of course, people who are like really micro, and they're just getting in the game to them, it's portfolio building. So of course, they'll do stuff for free, they might do stuff for under 500 pounds. But when you're talking about people with a, a pretty decent following, then I think you're kind of like, 500 is almost like your starting mark and that will always be determined about the relationship you have with them the relationship you have with their manager the relationship you have with the agent because you've got to remember that it's not even the influencer that's setting the rate you are going to a manager or you are going to an agent mm. if you who's do taking their
0: cut and then exactly
4: yeah. who's taking yeah. that who is taking um who is the you've got a middleman so that's being frankly honest like there's stuff I've, I've done campaigns where you can get away with paying somebody 500 quid um sometimes you can get away with stuff for free and sometimes people are asking for like four figure numbers and that is just being like very frank in my opinion
0: yeah it's great great i appreciate that and also you know product lucy do you ever use product to try and get, get people talking about you online
3: yeah we do we love doing something called surprise and delight so it's like somehow getting hold of like Pixie Lot's address and just like sending her some cans and then. You know, if she posts, which she did because she really liked the product, that's awesome. But we're never pushy about it. We know that you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And then we have had a couple of influencers, you know, really post and really like it. And so we've then sent them more, sent them stuff for their birthday, and really tried to build a relationship with them. So that's been our approach to influencers. We, we've not, not ever paid anyone to post, and that probably isn't something we do at Nice. I know it's great and it's really successful. It's just not. Uh, it's just not part of our strategy.
0: Does, you don't need it you're killing it already
3: I also think that's a, that's
2: a good point in terms of like don't hassle people um, yeah. like for example some a woman sent me this amazing bar of chocolate It had loads of like Maltesers and Oreos and God knows what on it but she is just really really small business and she'd messaged me like 10 times and I thought yeah I'll fancy some chocolate on the weekend so I messaged her back on Instagram and I said I'd love some chocolate please send it over um, and then I did one story for her and she was like thank you so much and then like two weeks later she was like can you share it on your main feed, please? I was like, uh, no. Um, so I think you've just got to take what you can in terms of like, I think the less pushy you are, then the more you actually get. Because brands that have sent me things in the post that have just put, enjoy it, enjoy your weekend, hope you have an amazing day.
3: I'm like,
0: wow. Yeah, so and, nice. the, and, let, and then let the product, as Lucy says to yeah. you, talking.
3: Totally yeah. agree, exactly. Hannah. Like, there's nothing worse than being pushy in anything, really, is there? No.
0: Oh, fantastic, fantastic I answers again. That. Then, uh, listen. The last, last question is f- from Steve, oh. is for me, and he says, "Is your bow tie real or augmented reality filter?" Well, Steve, this is the answer. It is one of the like dodgy things. you Oh can my get, god! So I there you go.
3: I asked that question as well. So thanks, Steve. Thanks,
0: Steve. That's <laughs> the big, the bit, the big news. You came here for tonight, um, Montana Pillar and Lucy. You're heroes what you're doing and for being here tonight for our community. Um, thank you for leading and creating and uh, and just having fun with this life um, and living living it to your very best abilities. Um, so thank you for everything. And um, we're now going to jump into a session. So everyone is invited to go to a session. So you jump over there where you can come and chat with each other and, and I'll be there. Andy will be there. Some of the listen, some of the Virgin Startup team will be there. Come say hi. Come and tell us what you thought, what was really valuable. Um, and where you're at come and share your stories but lucy also, also
2: i also i see a lot of lovely ladies in the audience and if you'd want to be part of our um open castings obviously pilar and lucy please do come along as well um we'd love to meet you guys
0: swim society fest is happening You want to be there, ladies <laughs> it certainly is. awesome all right and drink um, your nice drinks you so and listen to to pillar's awesome uh, pod lovely to see you ladies take care all the best bye Bye. you've been listening to a virgin startup podcast virgin startup are a not-for-profit organization set up to help founders start up and thrive don't be shy let us know what you thought by leaving a review whenever you listen to your podcast and to find more about how we can help you start and scale your business head over to virginstartup.org Thanks to our friends at Virgin Money, we're able to make our meetups free to attend, providing thousands of early stage founders with the support they need to start and scale businesses in the UK. Virgin Money are here to disrupt the status quo. They want everyone to have a much happier relationship with money. Through their brilliant colleagues, inspiring spaces and digital solutions, they are doing everything they can to offer a life more Virgin. They provide a full range of banking products and services to help founders at every stage of their business journey. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you'll join us next time for more founder stories.